Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh- it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is J. Dan Gum, and this is is background check you already know let's go you can check my background i'm a forgiving felon so tell them that i won't back down now you can bet i won't live in regret it's time to earn some respect you are tuning in to background check all right you ready for the show girl no you're not well do you have any questions about the notes no i'm ready like this song? Is this your favorite version of Jingle Bells? No. Let's see you dance. Uh, okay. No, you don't want to dance? Oh, we're not recording? Yeah, we're on. We're, we're, oh, we're live. I thought we were recording. That's why I was like trying to get you to dance. Oh, sorry. Like Everybody just thinks you're just sitting there like a bump on a log. Well, I didn't... I, when we're, I know when we're Hey everybody, welcome to light. Background Check Podcast. I'm your host, JDN Gum, where we believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It should pay you back. And also brought to you by Forgiven Felons, well, uh, helping people with the past. Realize their future. And also brought to you by The, the Wayback. Way the premier reentry program. They provide so many things uh, for you when you're getting out, if you're getting out in the Dallas area. Uh, give them a call. The graphic is on the screen now. It's on the screen at the end of the show. Uh, have your family call them now just to kind of get ahead of the game. And uh, and and then you'll be ready. You know, I know Daniel, Daniel at our, um, who was at our transitional house, his family called the way back. And then that's how Daniel found out about us was through the way back. So that's pretty cool, I think. Um, uh, just to look what we can do now. Bam. Yeah. Look at that. Quad, quad view, yeah. We got a fourth camera. You are in. You're in all four shots. No, you're in three shots. Am I in three shots? A little bit. My my face isn't. All right. So yeah, we got a fourth camera because we're um, we're headed on the road again. We're headed on the road next can week. I tell? Secret location. No, secret location. Secret. Wait, can I give them one hint? Uh, depends on what that hint is. It has been on Pando before. That's uh, my hint. It. Ooh, I don't think that's I don't think that's true. No, because 
one of the songs. What we're doing hasn't been on Pando yet. No, but some it does have something to do with what's been on Pando before. Uh, I, you're going to confuse him. I don't think it's a good hint. I don't think it's a good hint. I think it's a good hint. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. All right. Welcome to the show. We got a great show for you today. We got Jonathan Rodriguez on the show. He was part of our... Uh, he was part of our Houston trip, mm-hmm. and uh, he had a he had a TikTok out here called Free J Rod. Even before he got out, they were mm-hmm. trying to get his sentence. He was uh, convicted by law of parties, and they were trying to get his con- uh, sentence convicted or reduced, and all that. So anyway, he's on the show today. Uh, but we got a lot of stuff to do before that, don't we, girl? Yes, we do. Uh, I didn't get to finish the way back. The way back, um, call T Ray. You you want to call, say their names? T Ray. Heather, Katie, and I, that's all the ones I know. I think there's a couple more. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, anything you need, they do it all except housing. Housing, that's right. No housing, so, guys. Uh, but they will hook you up with some food, some clothes, some programs. Yes. You want to learn how to do Microsoft Word, and I I think they still have that program, but they have ways uh, that you can you can learn on training modules. And, uh, and they, they will keep up with you. Even if you've been out for a year, once you connect with them, they will keep up with you. Anything you need, you need the places for a recovery class, they'll hook you up. You need uh, suggestions on good churches, I bet you they'll hook you up with that too. Um, yeah. So, or just come to Social Dallas. Right? So, we, so we got a really good show for you today. Um, Jonathan Rodriguez. First of all, we want to say thank you to all the new listeners, Jessa. We have... Over 31,600. I think I think it's 600. We're checking them now. I think it's over 31,600. We're checking now. And um, weekly subscribers. That means uh, you guys, when y'all hit subscribe, uh, by the way, it's Christmas, so I'm wearing my, my Santa hat. Closer we get too. to Christmas, the more Christmas uh, Christmassy I, I will be. I'm wearing red. Yeah, you got red and you got green on. Yep, little little Christmas. And you were our first Noel. <laughs> Just kidding. You are oh, I have a joke. Just a Lynn. You got a Christmas joke? What's the difference between the Christmas alphabet and the regular alphabet? What's the difference between the Christmas alphabet and the regular alphabet? Oh. The Christmas uh, alphabet has Noel. Has Noel. <laughs> yes, I love it. Yes. You know what? That reminds me. We need to do some Christmas jokes. Oh, yes. Here, I'll get some. Well, you, you get, see if you can uh, look up a couple more. All right, so we... Um, we have 31,659 weekly subscribers. So thank you to all of you, especially the several hundred that's just come on in the last few days uh, for listening. We know there's a lot of stuff you can listen on Pando, a lot of great content. There's other podcasts, Worthy People, Real Vita, uh, Universal Behind Bars, Mike Barber, uh, and all the churches, all the churches. Please don't forget to watch church. Uh, when I was in prison, man, uh, I would have done anything to have a tablet to watch and to listen and get deposits and downloads from God through people like Social Dallas, Robert Madu, and all the guests that come through there. Uh, by the way, Priscilla Shire was our guest last week. Uh, but but yeah, man, uh, don't forget the churches, man. Those those preachers are preaching the word of God. They prepare stuff for you. So, uh, but thank you so so much for all thirty one thousand six hundred fifty nine of you. We don't take it for granted. But also thank you to every single one of you. Uh, 1,188 people who have given their heart to the Lord through through all these videos. Thank you so much. Some of y'all have gotten out and called us. Um, it's been great. I've got I've got a, a few more emails this week from people 
who listened to us while they were while they were in prison. So thank you so much, um, and uh, and thank you for wanting to connect with us when you come through Dallas too. All right. I got you. Yes, you got a joke. One more, then we got to go. This one, I think you're gonna like it. All right. What's a Christmas tree's favorite candy? What's a Christmas tree's favorite candy? What is it? Ornaments. Ornaments. Okay, those are good. Hey, do you have a do you have a Christmas joke? Send your Send Christmas in joke in on your ornament. Listen, if you're uh, uh, if you're already connected with us on Securus Tablet, send me a joke. Send me a joke, okay, on the on the tablet. And if, we will do. If you're not joke. connected on the tablet yet, uh, then send it in by by mail, and we'll read. It's got to be a holiday Christmas Christmas themed joke. All right, uh, that was a good one, Noel. Uh, and then also ornaments, ornaments. You're sending me ornaments in. Uh, I got a couple of pictures of our residents, some of our residents' ornaments. Ornaments. I want to show y'all. And um, but if you're gonna send it in, you better get it in quick. I don't know how long it takes to get from California or New York or wherever. Uh, Michael Etchison, we just got yours in. We got a few in. Uh, I do want to show you a little clip, a little video clip of all the cards. Uh, and some of them are ornaments. Some of them are just cards to us, to Jessa, to the family. Some of this just just uh, art that you guys send in. Last time we went to last time we went to the post office, I had I got some really good cards. So this is uh, it's, and those are on this table uh, uh, in this video shot. So uh, I, these are all just in the last week or two. Uh, so thank you, thank you so much. I know a lot of you guys are um, uh, everyone that we sent applications to. Right during that month and a half, two months where it was on digital mail, we are starting to go through that list and resend. Now we can send it directly to y'all, resend uh, to y'all. So y'all be patient. Be patient. Thank you. Um, a lot of y'all write in and say, you know, this is my third time. Just be persistent. I promise you, we're going to get one of them. If you write four or five times, we're going to get one of them. All right. So deadline is approaching. We need yes. a, we need your ornament by the 22nd. 22nd. No, we need it by the 21st. 21st. Probably won't have time to go to the post office on the 22nd. So I would mail it, you know, 21st is coming. So I would, oh, you better get it mailed. <laughs> but you know what? what? Even if it comes in late, we will still put it on our, our Christmas tree and we'll still highlight it. Okay. So even if we get it late, you're, you're good. Uh, all the you cards. Have six days. Again, all the cards, even the ones that you're, you're looking at uh, in that video. Um, thank you so much. We, we don't have time to say all of you on the air, but. Um, we are, I mean, I'm going to respond to you to let you know we got the cards. I'm going to get better at that. Uh, Michael White from Alabama, man, you you wrote in, and uh, you were inspired by the One Man's Treasure episode, and you said that you saw that they put verses in, in the, each bag that they send the clothes to, you know, the inmates. And so, um, so we just decided, or you just decided, I mean, to make some of those. And so... So he just made these little cards. Oh, that's cool. And these are these are verses, and we're gonna forward them to Annette and Alan, and um, they're gonna put them. They're gonna put them. <coughs> excuse me. They're gonna put them in those bags. They were very very excited. I I showed them your whole letter, and uh, and then I took a picture of all those cards that we're gonna be forwarding to them. They were they were really excited. So thank you thank you for doing that, man. Um, Sean Solomon, thank you so much. You know what for. Thank you so much. Uh, Jessa. Jessa, Jessa, Jessa. So you're, so you're, uh, you got your first club volleyball tournament this week. Are you nervous? I, I'm so nervous. What, what, what are you most nervous about? To me? Yeah. Are you starting? 
Yes, I've started. They designated you as a starter? I am middle front. Oh, There's man. only one other middle front person. All right. So all you people that used to play volleyball, uh, you know what she's talking about. You know the nervousness. Really, any athlete, uh, before you go compete against anything or even even uh, any other talent that you have to compete against. Hey, we don't have those lights on. You want to plug those lights oh, on? Oh, yeah. Um, we, need yeah. All, we need all the lights on. But I have a Bam. Yeah, beautiful. All right. I have a yeah, lot more ner- nervousness because I have been playing YMCA volleyball for four seasons, which is two years. Like, if you put the two seasons in the same year, that's two years. Right. And it's so much easier. <laughs> and I've only, I only knew, like, two girls on the team, and I only knew them for, like, a year. So, like, I don't, I didn't really know anybody. And... So there's six different positions. There's outside. There's outside, which is uh, sorry. There's back, left back, right back, middle back, middle front, left front, and right front. So I play middle front, and there's one other person, and yeah. Yeah. Hey, how's your ankle? A lot of My people, ankle's better. A lot of people are calling in and say they've been praying, so they want they need an update. Yeah. My ankle's better. It's just sometimes it hurts when I run a lot. But I have an ankle brace for it. But now now you're learning how to fight through it all, right? Yeah. Just push through, even if it hurts a little bit. I don't really care. Yeah, that's good. You're becoming an athlete. That's awesome. Um, you're out for break now? How long do you get for break? Three weeks. Three stinking weeks, y'all. We barely got like a week and a half when I was in high school. Man, oh my gosh. Man, that's going to be, wow, three weeks with y'all. And I thought one week was really long. What are you looking most what are you most looking forward to on this break? The surprise. Oh, well, Christmas. The, Christmas. In the surprise uh episode, the surprise episode. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. All right. So uh I do wanna say uh you, you remember this guy. Uh December sixteenth is uh Joseph Dornbush's birthday. Bush's Joseph show. Joey What's up, Joey? I, I don't even know where you are now. Uh, I know you're. I think you're on the Middleton unit, but I don't know where you are. But uh, I know you got a tablet, and you're probably watching us. So if if, he, if he's not watching, somebody go tell him uh, happy birthday. Give him a happy birthday. Uh, you know how we do it. How we do it in there. Um, let's sing happy birthday to Joey. I don't even know how how old Joey is. I've got some pictures of Joey that I'm going to put up, and uh, when he first got out of prison. And, uh, and so, yeah, Joey, Joseph always got, uh, people always said me and Joseph looked alike, which I don't, I don't see it. I think it. You think it too? All right. Um, let's sing happy birthday. All right. You ready? Everybody sing with us. Three, two, one. Happy birthday to you, Joseph. Happy birthday to you, Joseph. Happy birthday, dear Joseph. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. We love you, bud. You stay strong and uh, keep doing the right thing. We'll we'll see you on the other side. Um, all right, so this guy named Michael Brooks. Um, Michael Brooks. Uh, boy, I look like Santa for real now, don't I? With the glasses? No? Yeah? Okay. Um, Michael Brooks. I think he's from... Uh, Poems, I see. I think he's... Uh, He's he's in um, the Moberly Correction Center in Missouri, and um, by the way, Danny Bryant, I know. Uh, hey man, we still haven't found your card, so 
Hopefully we'll get it, but we still haven't found it, man. Um, so uh, this is from from yeah, this is from Michael Brooks. I just want to read these poems. I know I don't do this all the time, I love but um, I I just like these poems. You ready? These pretty good. This one's called A New Man. Locked in a box behind a steel door, day after day pacing the floor. His life is a mess, broken and shattered. He has nothing left of what he once thought mattered. Finding a Bible, he begins to read, and famished his soul begins to feed. He reads of a man named Jesus Christ who came to be Savior and give his life. He suffered for sin and paid the price that man might have eternal life. In utter desperation, he kneels and cries, Oh, Jesus, my Savior, I give you my life. Away from the world and behind a steel door, day after day, he paces the floor. Praying and praising God's holy name, he now has new life and is not the same. He understands now that God had a plan, and he gives God the glory, for he is a new man. That reminds me of the new man song that the brand rare new man breed. song. Oh, the rare breed. Yeah. Yep. It's a really good song. Yeah. And then Michael has another poem. It's called A Savior's Love. <clears throat> Fences, razor wire, and concrete walls. It feels like nobody loves you at all. Rejected, forgotten, cast away. How to make it another day. Chaos around you, chaos within. How to escape this body of sin. Surrounded by darkness, there shines a light, a beacon to others in this dark night. A shining light for us all to see, a Savior's love for you and me. Darkness fades and chaos calms when he folds us in his loving arms. Fences, razor wire, and concrete walls. There's one who loves you more than all. Wow, that That's really good. was really good. Speaking of poems... Speaking of poems. I did UIL, yeah. which is like where you get to stay after school and you practice yep. for a competition. And if you make it in the first round and the teachers think that you will be very good in front of judges, you get to make it in. And you get to go to the competition. And I made it in. And you got chosen. And I'm reading, a, I'm reading that one poem that I have, Picture Puzzle Piece by Shel Silverstein. I think I, me- I, think I memorized it all. So did- I think I can say it now. You uh oh, what was the other poem you read a long time ago? That one was picture puzzle piece, but it was at the very beginning, and I wasn't very good at it. But now oh, I, I know. You want to do it again? Okay, yeah. go. Picture puzzle piece by Shel Silverstein. One picture puzzle piece laying on the sidewalk. One picture puzzle piece soaking in the rain. It might be a button of blue on the coat of a woman who lives in a shoe. It might be a magical bean or a fold in the red velvet robe of a queen. It might be that one little bite of the apple her stepmother gave to Snow White. It might be the veil of a bride, or a bottle with some evil genie inside. It might be the small tuft of hair on the big bouncy belly of Bubba the Bear. It might be a bit of a cloak of the Witch of the West as she melted into smoke. It might be a shadowy trace of a tear that runs down an angel's face. Nothing has more possibilities than one old wet picture puzzle piece. Yay! Good job. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, this is how you do it when they cite poems at yeah. poem reading. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Also, more things that happen. I got pink eye. I couldn't yeah, go to school for two Jess days. Yeah, Jess missed pink eye. I missed school because of pink eye for a couple of days. And the last day of school for 
for it before winter break, they made me do three tests. Yeah. Okay, we got to get moving. Yes. Uh, so uh, a while back, I, I asked people if uh, they wanted to write questions and send them in. And we're so, doing a Q&A? Yeah, we're doing a Q&A. So let me hey. get my glasses back on. Uh, this guy uh, named Keelan. Thank you, Keelan, for writing in questions. Uh, this one says, uh, what was your saddest moment in prison? He says, we all have sad moments in prison, and I'm curious to know what yours uh, what was yours, if you don't mind sharing? Okay, my saddest, my saddest moment in prison. I think, I think, man, that's tough. There was a couple. Cause sad, I I don't really get sad a lot, but I think that um, I think that uh, you know what? Hang on. Somebody's calling. Hey, uh, uh, Yuri. Yes, sir. Hey man, we're right in the middle of uh, recording. Me and Jessa. Okay. So uh, okay. I'll call you back right after we record. Okay. Okay. But okay, bro. But you're gonna be on this episode now because you're you called and I and I answered. So say hi to everybody. Okay, I will, bro. Say hi to everybody. Uh, hello, everybody. <laughs> yeah, man. You're yeah. You're on Pando right now, bro. Love y'all, man. All right, I'll call you when we get through recording. Yes, sir. All right, yes, bye. Sir. Um. So. You know, there was a moment like whenever I got thrown in solitary confinement. That was a tough moment. I don't, I don't know if I was really sad. Um, you know what? I I think I do. I know how to answer that. Every time I drew Christmas cards for my, my mom, for, mm-hmm. for your grandmommy. And I think whenever I drew Christmas cards for my mom, I think I did get a little bit sad during those times. Because I was like, I, like one, I drew the fireplace and Santa and uh, the stockings and the fire, and and I was kind of wishing I was there. You know, I was like, I was drawing the places that I wish I was there. And um, so, yeah, I think that was probably, it was around the holidays, you know, I think were my sad moments. I don't think there was one big one, but I think there was just a few, you know, the three holidays. I spent three holidays in prison. And whenever I drew, whenever I drew the, the cards, I think that's, I think that's, yeah. Uh, let's see. Question for Jessa. Ooh. What is the best advice your dad has ever given you? We all need advice from people. Uh, some give us advice that goes in one ear and out the other. Others give us advice that stick with us. Uh, she says, you mentioned, he says, oh, yeah. Yeah, this is going to be good. I haven't told you about this. All right. So um, he says, you mentioned you are going to start your podcast, Girl Talk. I can't wait so I can tell my wife because she watches y'all on the outside and uh, she she loves you despite never meeting you. She says, uh, let's see, he says, okay, it's a bunch of other stuff. So, Jessa, what's the best advice that I have ever given you? I think the best advice you've ever given me has always been during softball because those has been the most the most emotional sport I've ever had because I would always lose. And, I think and the you would best- cry after every game. Every single game. The only game that I didn't cry at was the game that they weren't there and one of the other friends picked me up. So I think the best advice that he's given me is probably all the boxes. The Bye. boxes, yeah. So so she would get so emotional uh, sometimes during the game because, mm-hmm. because other people wasn't giving their all. And I told her that she has to take those emotions and put them kind of in a box and store it back in the back of her head 
uh, so that she can process it when she when when the game's over, you know. Because when we get emotional, it's hard to do things. Mm-hmm. It's hard to think right. It's hard to say the right thing. It's hard to do the right thing. Even this morning, you know, you couldn't zip up your backpack because you were so emotional about whatever we we're, were about to be late or mm-hmm. whatever. And I was putting pressure on you, and you were just like you 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 got emotional, and you couldn't even do a simple thing like zip up your backpack. So. Uh, yeah, that was pretty good. I like that. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I, I just want to say, hey, what happened to, oh, yeah, no, we still need to talk about Jonathan Rodriguez. Um, oh, sorry. Russell Bird, buddy. It broke my heart when I heard the news, uh, but I just want you to know we're, we're praying for you, bud. God has an assignment for you. Stay strong. Keep your head up. And uh, you still got a place here when, when, when you make parole. All right, man. We love you, bud. Uh, all right, Jonathan Rodriguez. So this guy, uh, like I said, I knew who he was. I knew who he was. I think even before I got out, I think I think his TikTok account followed me, even before he got out. Oh, I know who you're talking about. And uh, his his brother, his brother was running this social media account. And um, anyway, I didn't I didn't really get connected with him until Damon West, the coffee bean guy. Uh, yeah, sent to he, he ran into Jonathan and then uh, he sent a text to both of us said J. Dan you need to meet Jonathan and Jonathan you need to meet J. Dan so uh, so yeah and then Jonathan Jonathan it's great he talks about it but man he he said that the podcast really um, helped him through some dark times and this is why we do it because you know you, you're gonna you're gonna go through dark times in there you might be going through a dark time right now in the holidays, but this is why we do it. This is why we tell the jokes. This is why we come on. This is why we read scripture verses. This is why we pray, you know, and, uh, we're going to do an episode on, on, uh, or a background check-in on joy pretty soon. Aunt um, joy? joy, like joy to the world, joy, mm. Christmas, joy, our, I'm like, Aunt Joyce the joy out? of our, uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength and the devil, the devil wants to try to steal our joy. And, uh, because if he can, he's going to, then we're weak. The devil will, will want to try to steal your joy. So anyway, we're gonna do one, and we're gonna I'm, we're gonna tell a lot of jokes. My good jokes. We're gonna pull the we're gonna oh, pull the yeah. good jokes out. Uh, so I might um, as well. So, but Jonathan Rodriguez, he's got a couple of businessmen uh, businesses. He's an entrepreneur. Um, he, he we talk about you know his businesses that he has. He's got a paintball business. It's pretty cool. Like remember, like you know the. Um, but he's just a good he's a good kid. Um, he was in the process of about to leave to go to California um, to further his his like film career, and we we filmed this inter- interview back in the end of September, and uh, mm-hmm. so as I'm updated, getting an update from him, you know, the other day because his episode's coming right now, he says he ended up not going to California because California uh, denied the interstate compact paper. So when you're out on parole. If you move to another state, that state has to say, yes, we'll take you on parole. And California said no. Mm-hmm. So, um, But we know God's got big plans for Jonathan. And uh, how's that mint stick? That mint stick good? She didn't even, she didn't even, you know, she'd never been to prison, you can tell, because she didn't break it. She didn't pop it in, in, in on a little metal bunk into four pieces and share it with her buddies. Uh-uh, she didn't do that. It's all right. It's all right. Um, but anyway, you're going to love this episode. And, uh, hey, listen, uh, thank y'all for all the love you're showing to Tyler 
And uh, Kristen, Tyler showed me uh, all the letters that she's getting from you guys. So uh, especially you ladies who need a halfway house, go writer, 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 writer. Uh, Twan and Olivia, uh, great episode. I think 30,000 of y'all have already listened to it. So thank you. They're, uh, they're loving. Uh, some of y'all have already written in and I've forwarded what y'all said about them. I so, think that was you. my favorite announcements I've ever did. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, Pretty good announcements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but listen, uh, the reason for the season, we can dress up, we can decorate, uh, we can do the trees, the candy canes, the snowmans, but the reason for the season is Jesus Christ, okay? And that's what we teach our, our girls at the at the Forgiven Felons Christmas Party next week, Friday, December 22nd. Um, if you uh, have family out here, tell them to email me, tell them to text me and call me. All right, the number is on the website, forgivenfelons.org. Go to the uh, contact page, grab my cell phone off, and have them text me and say, hey, my loved one's in prison. We would like to come to the party. Email me, jdangum at forgivenfelons.org. Email to have them email me. I'm not going to put my address because it's, it's at our house, uh, our personal house this time. Uh, I'm not going to put my address out there, um, but, uh, but I will give it to them when they come or when they email me. All right, so tell them. We'd love for them to come. But Jesus is the reason for the season, and it would it would it would make us so happy that if you decided um, to give your heart to the Lord this Christmas, that'd be the best Christmas. All of heaven rejoices when one sinner comes to repentance, um, and and we're happy every time we see somebody else another another number on that except Jesus Christ. And so there's no better time to do that than right now. And so we're gonna pray with you. Man, we got the sniffles today. I know, right? We're, we're not even sick. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> allergies. Um, allergies. We're just like. Yeah, that's why I'm ready. I'm ready for winter because I want the allergies to get out of here. So uh, so we're going to pray. We're going to pray over y'all, but we're also going to pray uh, the prayer of salvation. And if you want to ask Jesus to come into your heart, you repeat after Jessa, okay? No, repeat after you. Say what I say. Yeah. You, you say, say, you repeat after me, but you're saying what, what Jessa says. Yeah, that's right. Good job. Good catch. So, uh, Father, thank you for this this uh, this this interview, Lord. Thank you for this platform. Thank you that we get to come and share in, um, in in these inmates' lives all over the nation, Lord. We thank you for everyone who listens. We thank you, Lord, for for the miracles that are taking place, Lord. Just like on the last background check in, Lord, you're you're providing miracles that that we didn't even know, and we know that even with Russell Bird, the the set off, Lord, that you're going to provide a miracle within that set off, uh, and Lord, you you have an assignment for Russell. And we thank you for Russell and what you're going to accomplish in him and through him uh, during his set off, Lord. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, for everyone who listens. We thank you for the people that, that just randomly listen. And we thank you for the people that listen all the time. Lord, we pray for financial breakthrough. We pray for healing breakthrough. We pray for emotional and mental breakthrough, Lord. Lord, we, we pray for sound mind, Lord. You have not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And we speak sound mind over people right now. We speak from general population to life, death, row. We we speak um, the reason for the season is Jesus. And we speak Jesus over everyone. And, uh, and Lord, even the ones that don't know you as their personal Savior, we're going to pray a prayer that will invite you into their heart. So in Jesus' name, Father. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. By your Holy Spirit. By your Holy Spirit. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this day. 
I confess with my mouth. I confess with my mouth. And believe in my heart. And believe in my heart. That you, Jesus. That you, Jesus. Died on the cross. Died on the cross. For my sins. For my sins. And I admit. And I admit. That I need a savior. And I need a savior. And I know you rose again. And I know you rose again. After three days. After three days. And you want me. And you want me. To invite you into my heart. To invite you into my heart. And I ask you to do that today. And I ask you to do that today. Take over my heart. Take over my heart. Take over my life. Take over my life. Take over my mind. Take over my mind. And live as Lord and Savior. And live as Lord and Savior. Help me to change my thoughts. Help me to change my thoughts. My my actions. My actions. And my heart. And my heart. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Help me in every way. Help me in every way. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And Lord, we just pray anyone who needs a special healing, whether it's headaches, whether they can't sleep, whether they have an ankle issue, a back issue, a neck issue, Lord, a medical issue, uh, I don't know, something I'm feeling, liver, people having liver issues, um, I just ask you to touch them right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We we pray for uh, white blood cell counts. To be, to be normal in Jesus' name. We pray for red blood cell counts to be normal in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, Jehovah Rapha, our healer. We thank you for providing a, a healing miracle this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe somebody just got healed. What do you believe? Yep. You believe it? Mm-hmm. Hey, let us know. If you if you felt something during that prayer, I don't know, liver, back, neck, whatever, If you if you received healing, during that prayer, I want you to let us know, okay? Even if you had pink eye like me. Yeah, so because we believe we serve a God that's big. Jehovah Rapha is big. So um, uh, enjoy the episode, <laughs> all right? And uh, we will see you next week. And uh, don't forget to, don't let your background hold you back. Make it pay you back. Bye. Jonathan Rodriguez, welcome to Background Check Podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Man, I, I think I, I knew who you were from TikTok before I met you. Yes, sir. Uh because I think you followed me, mm-hmm. and I didn't know who you were at that point, but I, I knew you just got out of prison because I saw the video of you getting out of prison. And it was pretty cool. So when uh, who was it that connected us? Damon. Damon. Yeah. So when he when he connected us. Damon West. Yep. Through through text, I was like, oh, this is J Rod. This is free J Rod from TikTok. Mm-hmm. I know who you are. Mm-hmm. So uh, man, it's an honor to meet you today. Thank you for carving out time to come share your story. Yes, sir. And uh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So, so let's start, man. Let's just start with who you are now. You've been out for how long? I'm uh, going on nine months right now. Man, that's awesome. What's it like? You Because you did how long? I did 11 and a half years on a 15-year sentence. You went in when you were how old? I was, uh, I went in at 19, but I started all my problems when I was 16. Yeah. So, okay. about my charge until I was 19. Okay. So, did you, uh, did you ever, so the charge you got at 19, well, we'll get into that. Um. What are you doing now? What are you What have you been doing since you've been out? So uh, I actually saved up all my stimulus money, and I did a lot of uh, portrait money drawing, and I used that to invest in the paintball field that I have now, and also the what a paintball field? Paintball field. Yes, I uh, okay. invested like on uh, different paintball guns, uh, the paintballs. Really? Where's that? Uh, Channel View. Okay. All right. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, and um, at the same time, uh, I created my own little logo where I was in prison. I named it Just Laugh. I created it when I was going through the hardest time in there. And I saw a little yellow face with the shape of my head. And, you know, you can't see my ears because, you know, they're under the thing. But uh, I just made it like a symbolism of me. 
and how I can make people laugh. So I put my art and my humor together and it's called Just Laugh. And now I'm putting my designs, cartoon designs on car on shirts. So that's actually ta- that's also taking off as well right now. Wow. Yes, sir. That's pretty cool, man. Now um so the, you got those two businesses? Yeah. What else? Anything else you got going on? Well, right now um you married? You got family, kids? No, anything? no, I'm not married, but uh there is a special one that we actually she actually started writing me when I first got locked up. And then 11 years later, we got in contact again, and we just fell back with each other. And right now, we're just, you know, moving slowly but surely, just making one step at a time. Okay. She's into business, too, so I'm, I don't know. No That's kids. Good. That's good. No kids. And she didn't have any kids either? No. I mean, All right. it hit, hit the jackpot. There you go. Yeah, you don't find that too often anymore. Oh, yeah. That's good. So you're, you're 30 now? I'm 30. All right. I'm about to be 31 as well. When's your birthday? November. Oh, coming up, mm-hmm. coming up. Uh, so we're going to say happy birthday to you already because by the time this airs, we're filming it We're filming it in uh, on the last day of September, but it's probably going to air in like the first week of November. Oh, wow. Nice. So, uh, so happy birthday. Well, thank you. All right. And yeah. if you're still in prison, just uh, get you a honey bun and get some peanut butter <laughs> and then get you a candle. Y'all know how to, y'all know how to make candles. Come on, y'all. Y'all know. <laughs> y'all already know how to make candles. Uh, and let's, let's sing happy birthday. To, to Johnny, you ready? Yeah. You ready? You gonna you gonna help us sing? You ready? Thank happy you. birthday to you. Thank you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jonathan. Happy birthday to you. All right, now I know everybody on the tablet was singing with you. Okay, with, thank you. Uh, so, thank you. That's so actually perfect. my first birthday in a long time. So <laughs> it just uh, it feels good to spend it out here and actually eat real cakes for Netflix. Yeah, months. come on, man. Not one made in a white bowl. Oh, yeah, in a white bowl <laughs> with cookies and, you know. No, I mean, the cheesecakes are actually really good. That's the only ones that I liked. I'm telling you, man, when I took my wife into prison and uh, we were walking through the hobby unit and, and she's she's seeing these the white bowls mm-hmm. and with the cheesecake. And then she saw him cut it and, and, and see it. And then she's like, that actually looks like a legitimate cheesecake. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Hey, they can, do, they can do it. And then when I got to my, my, my last unit that was on, they had microwaves. Oh, wow. so it, it, it elevated everything, man. You could cook with that microwave, uh, man. You could do a lot of stuff. I wish so. we had a microwave, man. Oh. So you're an entrepreneur. You're uh you're, you're in a relationship taking it slow mm-hmm. uh what, what what else has happened since you've been out uh so the tiktok as soon as i got released uh, i did not know anything about tiktok i mean i heard it on commercials just like a lot of people that were are listening right now but as soon as i got out my sister put me on her tiktok a video and i actually broke down crying in the car because all the emotions came in emotions that you don't even to this day you can't just express like yeah it's just million all in just once and you're thinking about no more lockdowns no more count, uh, count times no more uh, you're uh, an officer telling you it's five minutes left yeah go back home like to your family and for me it was just and then at the same time you don't have shackles on you don't you don't you don't have none of that while you're riding in a car and you have space in there because you know the, the buses are horrible so all these things, and I'm going back to my family. I'm finally out. With your and, permission, I'd like to show that video. Oh, of course. Okay. So I'm breaking down, and yeah, of course. And I started crying, right? And I didn't know she had me on video. 
And next thing you know, like about an hour, two hours later, they were like, oh my God, it reached like 10 million views. A powerful video. And then like three, four hours later or even more, it started climbing up to right now, it's been up about what, six months, I believe. It's already at 46.9 million views. Mm. So that in itself has uh, gotten all the media, uh, Univision, Univision uh, San Antonio, uh, and then Univision National News, and then CNN International in Spanish. So they heard the story. I mean, they were like just trying to figure out like, whoa, you know, who's, who's this guy? But then as they started figuring out about me and my brother, they started getting blown away and they wanted to share the story. And now it's been an ongoing process of me going to interviews and just sharing the story. What is something that um, 11 years, man. Okay, so you're getting a lot of your, your story's getting a lot of traction. Um you know the the TikTok thing was is named Free J Rod. Sir, why did why did they want you to be freed? They wanted me to be free because they saw somebody only because until my brother starts speaking up for me. So my brother ended up in NASA, and everybody's like, "Whoa, you know, congratulations!" But my brother never hesitated to say it was really because of my brother's influence. And they're like, "Who's your?" Basically, like a lot of people would wonder, like, "Who's this guy?" So this guy's in prison. So they're like, "Whoa, hold on." Like he's a like he's an inmate like he's actually in there like yeah so now they actually have their eyes on me like because of him because he wasn't hesitating on telling them that my influence helped him be where he's at so now they're believing that there's something good in me but if it wasn't for that I mean like I understand at the same time but people will be like ah oh, you know he's he'll get out and he'll go right back to it you know it's just the same oh, expectations yeah. that yeah. everybody else has yeah they said that with me too but. But because of my brother, a lot of people weren't saying that. And a lot of people were believing in the story. So my brother met Scott Bunnett, who influenced him to make a website called Free J-Rod, which is still up. And he told him, you need to start building petitions. And out of our community, before the TikTok, we had 1,200 uh, um, petitions, like signed petitions. Right. Out of our community. So it's that was before we actually reached TikTok and 46.9 million views. Okay, well, let me interrupt. Why are they wanting to free J-Rod? Is there something wrong with your case? Do you believe you're innocent? Well, t t take me back there. What's what's going on there? No, they, they know that I claim not to be an angel. They know that I am responsible and take responsibility for what I did. And even to this day, I still believe that justice needed to be served. And for me to still have done the time that I did. But as for like freeing me, it's more like rehabilitated. This man is rehabilitated. Why has so he been? So you've done your time. Why are you still in there? Yes. So, okay, I, I got it now. Good. Because there's all different reasons why people think they should uh, be let go, uh, whether it's uh, the sentence was too long to begin with. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I mean, we have guys come through our program with 60-year sentences because they were they, they, they were in a party where another person committed murder. That's exactly what happened to me. The law of parties. Uh -huh. Okay. And so, so you know, they're – there was no reason he should have got 60 years. Yeah. He said, I was in the group. I didn't know they were going to pull the trigger on this dude, but I was in the group. I, if I need to do 10 years for that, l let me do it, you know, but yeah. 60 years. And so that's why I was just trying to figure out what, what the whole free thing was, you know, that they just believe you've done your time and you've re rehabilitated. So we'll let you go. Yes, sir. All right, cool. I like that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. What? Um. So now you're doing TikTok videos. Oh yeah. So I actually got pretty good because of my brother. He got, gave me some tips and watching his videos, I was actually learning how to edit it. 
Uh, not as much as you because you got all kinds of stuff I don't even understand. I still have a long way to go. Yeah, but uh, I know how to edit my own videos. And uh, sometimes I even speak in front and give uh, certain experiences, which I have been selecting on that side, which I should be showing and, and speaking more on like issues like the heat and uh, experiences on, you know, prison. So people can actually be informed what really goes on in there instead of giving you entertainment. Right. Like, oh, you know, this idea, this person got in this fight and this and that. And I'm not about that. I'm more about let's speak about the reality of the situation. Let's let's um bring the boring parts of prison, the, 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 the parts that where it wrecks you down and you cry yourself to sleep and you're too ashamed to really tell people that you were in there doing that. And it's like, let's let's put in a, like an effect on that. At the yeah. same time, let's talk about our history, why we've committed our crimes, why it happened, so we can help the next generation and people from going to prison from the first place. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. We really believe that, um, that prison doesn't do enough. Now, the volunteer services that come in, all the people that come in, PEP programs, all the... But when you take all those programs away that people are are bringing into the the, the system doesn't have anything mm-hmm. and, and and that we learned that during covid oh yeah because they, they wouldn't let any volunteer programs come in anymore yeah. now you have just what the tdcj can give you and, just, and, it, and it's not a whole lot yeah. you know uh especially with staff shortages oh, they can't man. even give you rec anymore they but can't even do after lockdown yeah and so it's 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 all when i travel to other prisons in other states they understand that texas is more punitive than rehabilitative. In other oh, words, yeah. they're all about punishing rather than correcting and rehabilitating. And um, but yeah, I I think that more stuff needs to come out mm-hmm. like that 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 highlights that kind of stuff. You I mean, know? my main thing is is to speak up and say, hey, how can you change a person when you're just putting them in a cage or her? It's like, what about actually helping the person? Yeah. There's people that are coming out and re-offending, or even in there. Whenever I was in there, uh, we had a a, a man named uh, well, my friend who actually murdered a, a, a correction officer. And I'm not going to justify his action, but at the same time is what was the system doing to right. help this man? Because he was in prison in the first place for doing something like that. And then he redid it again. So how can we have prevented that, the second murder? Right. And it's like, or I don't know if he killed the first one, but he, he like the second one he did. So it's like, what well, now I'm looking at the system saying, you're responsible as well. He is responsible, but you are too. What are you doing for people like that? Or the, or people that are addicts. Yeah. What about them? So good. They need people. They need help. And, and you know, even you're not a parent yet, but even in our, mine and my wife's parenting, we are trying to sit down with our kids, our nine and ten year old daughters, and say, hey, you know, we don't want to just give them consequences for what they've done. Yeah. We want to we want to say, hey, let's walk through this. Yeah. And see where it broke down. Well, the, it's because she did this. No, 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 no. Let's break down what happened earlier in the day. You know, were, were you having a bad day? And then that led to your argument. Was was she having a bad day? Let's let's go back further. You know, what did you say to her yesterday? And and what we're trying to do is we're trying to uh, get them to see there's another way to handle conflict. Mm-hmm. And and what our system doesn't do well, they don't they don't dig into and say, hey, what happened to you as a child? Did you have something that happened to you as a child? Some trauma. That happened to you as a child that caused you to make decisions as a teenager and a, and a young adult that led you here. And they're not about digging into that. Mm-hmm. They're just going to put a label on us. Oh, you're this. Oh, you're that. You're violent. You're you're aggravated. You're, you know, you need psych meds. You know, let's label you, give you some pills and just keep you, keep you where you are and just give you punishment 
but not try to rehabilitate you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I feel like we got a long way to go. I feel like volunteer services programs like PEP and Bridges to Life, Quest you know, for Authentic Manhood. Quest for Authentic Manhood. I mean, these are all programs that really do a good job. But again, these are volunteers coming inside mm-hmm. a system that has a mission and a vision and a purpose, a, a vision, a mission statement that says they are the ones that are supposed to be doing the rehabilitating. Of course. And uh, and 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 it's un, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but they don't do enough of it. So. Uh, all right. Let's. So, anything else you got going on right now? You're not going to be in Texas much longer. Okay. So now, uh, with everything going on, uh, my brother meeting Scott Budnick, who uh, he uh, is actually a director of Just Mercy, which a lot of guys in prison have watched, and he actually gave me the opportunity to join a film school uh, over there in Hollywood. And once I'm done, I'm actually going to get into the film industry. So this is going to be. Uh, it's. It's amazing. It's just, it's, it's, I don't, I can't even explain it. So that it's just, it's just mind blowing. Yeah. How, that, how do you go from going to prison and not being known and remembered? Right. And then it's like, I'm going to that where I'm actually going to be surrounded with like huge giants and all that. But, um, yeah, once I'm done with that, I should be able to get into the film industry and I, my mission and my, what I feel like God is telling me though, and tugging my heart is that, your home is not what well, your mission is not in Cali. Your mission is Texas. So when you build, when I'm helping you build your giants over there and your network and the, and the finances, you're coming back to Texas and we're going to make some changes. We're going to bring some change. Like we're going to talk about rehabilitation. Yeah. What kind of movies do you want to make? I, so I feel like there's too many movies, uh, based on, um, uh, like cops, cop shows, law and order, all that. I mean, it's all about the God, I mean, cops perspective. Yeah. But yet what about, the like, inmates' perspective. Why? Why do these shows criminalize more monsters? Like they put us as if we're monsters. Right. They make us look like they we're not humans, and you know everybody's cheering these cops on, and even the superhero movies. I mean, as corny as that sounds, like, like what are they doing all the time? Just crime fighting, crime fighting. You're just cutting the weeds. But what about reaching the roots? And that's my thing. It's like you could beat up all the the criminals that you want. But you're gonna multiply them. Even it's like let's let's look at the root of the problem. You you're gonna put them in a system. These cops are gonna put them in a system where it's just caging them up. How is that supposed to help them? So, what I'm trying to do is make shows and movies, and uh, God willing, that actually show our side, actually tell our story without making excuses, without trying to make us look also too like well, I just want to keep a balance and be able to say, of course we do need the law, but at the same time. We also need to understand us, and criminals themselves need to understand themselves. Yeah. And we're in a system that's yeah. not teaching us that. So if I can bring that into homes, when when people are sitting down just watching a movie with their families, they could understand us more. Yeah. They could start seeing, wow, I could be a better parent because my child could be doing this. I'm beating my child up every night, thinking that that's gonna get them better, but that's actually gonna make them worse. You know, all these things, I, and that's the kind of shows that I want to do. That's good. I like that. What was life like growing up for you? Life was uh, so a lot of um. I came from immigrant. Where, where, where are you from? I'm uh, from Houston. Okay. So I'm from the east side, and uh, a lot of people automatically like um you know here Cloverleaf. I already knew like this little group over there in, in prison, but um yeah I I I came from immigrant family. Okay. Uh, both of my parents were born and raised in Mexico. They came, and now they are facing the challenges of 
raising a child that is being Americanized because that is the that is my like our home now. And now they don't know English, but I am learning it. So now there's cultural differences. There's differences in our ways of um, living. So a lot of I believe that a lot of families can, especially if they come from immigrants, you can understand what I'm about to say. It's like you get home and you become a stranger because as you go to school, you're learning different ways. And you're getting home and as your parents are trying to mold you a certain way, but yet you're trying to learn the world. And you don't know how to learn the world because you're still a child, but your parents don't really know how to do it. So now you're in this, like in this predicament where yeah. you're alone, basically. Yeah. So yeah, I, I was um, raised by uh, parents that were really rough when it comes to discipline. It was all about discipline for me, and it's mainly what I remember now. And the the thing that affected me the most, and I only I can only break this down now because thanks for a quest for a thin manhood, and a lot of the psychology books that I read during my incarceration. So I want to make that clear to people that it was until I started educating myself yeah. that I could break it down. But um, so I started realizing that um, the verbal abuse was the worst for me. You ain't nothing. You're a piece of crap. You would never amount to nothing. Uh, look at you. Uh, you this, you that, you know, all that. And mm. then you're getting slapped, hit, punched. You get hit with almost everything. People make fun of like, oh, my mom used to hit me with this. But at the same time, it's like, why, why does it have to be a joke? You know, it, 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 some of these things really did affect you, man. So we really got to observe. I think one of the things I, I hear uh, the Latino. Um, Chancla. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But in my mind, I see vid funny videos about it. But in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, we're laughing at it. But man, what is that kid going through? Yeah. When they see that shoe coming at their, their sandal coming at their face. What, you know, what, what, what is really going on in their mind? Yeah. You know, and uh, my mom and dad, they were strict. Uh, they were strict people too, and, and we got a lot of spankings. We got a lot of whoopings on our butt. Yeah. Uh, it was all. It was always on our butt. It was always with a paddle or a belt. Or one time it was a hanger. Yeah, yeah. that was pretty rough. But it was never. You know, never. They weren't. They didn't throw stuff at us. But it was still like, you know, in my mind. I'm like, man, is all this necessary? I mean, I know I. I know I mess up a lot. But show me, show me, show me what else I'm supposed to do. If you just keep beating my butt. And don't tell me how to change it. Then guess what's going to happen? I'm going to keep doing this and keep getting my butt beat until I run away from home. And I did run away from home at one time. Because your home is not your safe place yep. anymore. I know. And that's that's what happened to me. Uh, I didn't. My, my house is not my safe place anymore. I mean, I'm getting punched just because I'm not kicking the soccer ball right. Like my dad's. That's that's one of the main points that I like to point people out. That was the, the highlight of my division, like dividing myself from my dad, like saying. This is it. Like, freak you. Like, you know, I actually said the cuss word. Yeah. But it's like, uh, he invited me to go play a kick a soccer ball. And I'm like, okay, you know, finally dad's going to, you know, he's, he's not working all the time. So he takes me over there and he, we start kicking the ball back and forth. And then he's like, you got to kick it right. Kick it a certain way. It's going to flick it up. And I wasn't, I wasn't able to do that. Flick it up. So then he starts punching me when I'm doing it wrong. Kick it right. Kick it right. And then punching. Kick mm -hmm. it right. Kick it. So... Eventually, I ran and I cussed them out, and I just ran. I just cried. So that was the highlight for me, because there's been many, many times like that. But that right there was it. Like there's no more. I mean, my mom did basically the same thing. You know, hey, spell your name right. This is how you spell the J. Mm. And I'm not spelling the J right, and because I'm not doing it right, she's slapping me every single time I get it wrong. So for me, lessons, education in itself, like going to school, it was so frustrating because it projected. That those experiences like going through school and the teacher's telling me to learn something she's telling me not doing it right 
was a reminder of how my mom was slapping. Oh, yeah. So yeah. now school wow. is also difficult. So education-wise. So now I'm growing up. I'm already about 14, 15, and I am sick of home. Like, I don't want to be home. I, I got to a point where I went to the Marines, uh, uh, and I'm, you know, the, what you call it, the recruiter. Yeah. And I asked him, can you please take me in? Like, I want to, I want to join. And he's like, well, you're still in high school. And I'm like, doesn't matter. Like, what can I do? You're like, boy, you're going to deny somebody trying to be a soldier? Like, I'm trying to be in Marines. Because I really just, that's how bad I wanted to leave. And I, I it was bad intentions to join by the same time. But I wanted to, like, so bad. And be, being home is just horrible. So I would walk home sometimes. And my house was pretty far. So I would walk home real slow just to get home. And I didn't want, I don't want to get home. And I get home, it was already about late 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, I mean, early 5 o'clock. And my mom's screaming at me because I'm I'm late. She's saying that I did drugs and all that, and I didn't. And it's like, I just don't want to be home. That's all I hear is screams, nagging, um, no slaps, hits, all that. And, uh, and then at the same time, I had a bad relationship with my siblings, especially my sister. So now anytime that she gets mad, all she has to do is scream, and here comes dad. He starts hitting me. So she manipulated that situation many, many times. Sometimes I did cause it, but it's like that, that in itself, like it was just another reason why I want to, I don't want to be home. So that leads me to start getting to the streets. And that's where I found specific people that I start hanging around with. And it's like they say, if you know, if you're a kid, if you're not going to guide your kid, somebody else is going to do it. Yep. That's so for sure. That somebody else will. And most of the time in our neighborhood that somebody else would not be the right person. Right. So that's what happened to me. Had, had any kind of drugs or alcohol been involved in your life at this point? Uh, at this point, it's uh, only alcohol. It's, uh, my dad had a reception hall, a dance hall, and that's where they used to have quinceañeras, weddings, and all that. So I would get, I would sneak in every time they get ready for a quinceañera, and they'll leave all their drinks there in the freezer, and I will put them <laughs> on a bag, and I'll get like like thirty beers. And I just take it to uh, to us, and we just start drinking. Mm. And uh, by the time that there, I already knew when the party was gonna be over, which is like one, two in the morning. I'll get home, and I'm all drunk. So like I was, it was just my experiences, like trying to drown something. Yeah. So, but yeah, then by by now I'm already hanging out with these guys, and I started picking up on their ways, their ways of talking, dressing up. A Mexican does this. A Mexican does that. People from our in our hood, we we hang, we we talk like this. We you know all that. So I started adapting that way, a way of living. So I'm just like, I want to, if these are my family members, I mean, you know, so so yeah. to speak, yeah. I am going to like hang out with them and be, and I want to impress them. I want to like show them what I'm not receiving from my family right? or, you know, all that. So now we're slowly but surely, we go from maybe 12 year olds breaking windows, like the funny stuff, which now is like, you know, immature, I see it, yeah. but. You're breaking windows from cars, houses, uh, you know, getting uh, slingshots. We, we all did that. I used to, <laughs> I, yeah. I was, I would drop rocks off the highway, the bridge, yeah, to try to hit cars like I was playing a video game or something, yeah, and not even thinking about like if it did actually hit a, hit a car in a window and and kill somebody. I don't, I don't know what I would have done. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. We all, I think we all go through. Yeah, that we, I mean, when I went from slingshots to paintballs, maybe sometimes because uh, that wasn't really hard. I mean, it was hard to find. And then we went to BB guns from lasers, putting lasers on cars, doing all kinds of stuff, breaking windows from, uh, we were causing havoc, making fires on the side of the uh, freeway just so we could be in the news, mm. you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And we were actually, it was actually in the news one time and then we were all excited, like, oh my God, we were in the news. Like, but they don't know who did it, you know? So now 
this guy, other guy, he's always stealing in houses. And at the time, we call it kick door. So let's go kick door. Let's go kick door. And uh, a lot of times, I'll go. I like to go party, but sometimes I did go with him. And I felt like a, you know, I was always trying to be in the military. So I w- I'll go in the houses thinking that I'm militarized, you know, with the light and going to every room yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah. But I didn't. Now I look at it, I'm like, dang, like I was so dangerous. Like I, somebody could really just shot me. But yeah, he got to a point where he was specifically pointing out certain houses that he knew there were cops or military because he knew that he was going to bring weapons out. And eventually he built up a big old box of guns. So now I'm, he's giving them to us like nothing. Hey, you could have wow, this. Wow, wow. And you could, you could have this. Or you could have this. So it's like nothing. So now we're going inside houses with that. And now another reason why we were influenced in getting weapons as well is because we would walk from one side of the neighborhood to the other about one in the morning. And a lot of times a car would stop and they'll point a, a weapon at us. And we told each other it's not going to happen no more. Like we're going to be, we're next time we're going to be ready. Mm. So but it's just embarrassingly we became them now we started doing that on the, mm-hmm. to the world yeah so we we progressed from you know baby guns to real weapons and now to houses and then to people so now we're constantly doing hybrid robberies walking around different sides of the neighborhood we go to second ward specifically because we're far away from there we go to magnolia we go from all these different parts of houston and then like we're just creating havoc not knowing that me i just felt now I know, but at the time I didn't know that I was just expressing the hurt and pain that I was going through. I was really just, just in pain, yeah. and I was just if the world hates me, then I'm gonna show hate back. Yeah, that was your way to co- of coping with it. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. a coping mechanism. So it it sounds like you're close to the age in your life where you went to prison in nineteen. Yes. So, so was, well, was, at sixteen years old, uh, it was supposed to be a robbery, and we actually committed the robbery first at the same location. We got away with it, but the guy ended up getting shot in the butt, and because uh, he tried running, and my that my friend he actually was not a friend anymore, but he ended up shooting him, shooting him in the butt, and uh, for me it was hilarious because you know you see him jumping around, hopping around, but now it's like dang, you know, it's yeah. out. so we get away with it, and the next day the man, another man was coming out of the uh, apartment complex in the same location, and he thinks that my friend's actually his friend, he ends up following him. Following us, and we actually, you know, do, did what we did. He got on the ground, and long story short, he ended up getting shot in the head. Mm. And he was like a foot away from me. And I was 16 years old. Everybody ran, and I'm by myself. And I'm like, uh, I specifically tell that to people, like, there's the sound that would never leave. But like, mm, I could yeah. remember that sound of the blood coming out. Like, it's just yesterday. Like, and that... Like, no, no movement of his body. Because, you know, you get used to somebody getting hit, they're rolling around, screaming. But this guy's, like, asleep. But yet, there's, like, all this gushing coming out. And because he ended up hitting him, I mean, shooting him with a 12-gauge shotgun. Wow. Yeah, so, he yeah, like, point blank. And we actually got away with it. I mean, like, a month later, there's there's investigators walking around everywhere. They're, we're watching the news. They said they have different suspects. And it was all just so happens to be, like, one of them looked like a homeless black lady. And I was like, whoa, you know, we got away with it. You know, they blame it on them. You know, let's go, let's move on. But at this point, I'm also, like, changing. Like, you know what? I don't like that. Yeah. Like, I saw this man getting, you know, killed. Yeah. And I don't want to see that anymore. So I started actually focusing in school. And this guy would actually mock me because he would be like, come on, let's go kick doors. And I was like, nah, I'm, I'm okay. And I actually started getting my grades out. My grades started going up. But sadly, the ball was already rolling. You know, just yeah. needed to be served. So he 
ends up crossing the line again. And for whatever reason, I mean, I read the police reports, and it's a story in itself. He wanted to get his own, the, the dude's uncle's money, but because the dude ended up telling him, I don't want it no more, he ended up, you know, murdering him so he could get the money. And it was only 15 grand. So it was like, wow, you know, that's crazy. So he actually went through with it, but I wasn't involved in that one. Because I, I after that, I didn't want anything to do with, like, mainly him, especially when he started showing, like, different characteristics, like, more of a, like, hunger-like. And it, uh, the last time that I saw him, it was actually the, the second murder that he committed, and he just didn't look right. He looked like he was ecstatic, and, and his eyes looked different. He just looked happy. Like, he just did, like, the best thing in the world. Mm. And wow. so for me, it was like, okay, this that's, that's not cool. You know, that's he's changing, and... I don't want to see that. And then he actually stopped me and he explained to me the, the whole scenery of how it was when he committed the second murder. Wow. Like he told me how his head opened the the bone the bone matter flying everywhere like confetti, brains everywhere. And then he said the sound of the head hitting the concrete and uh, how he rolled them to the ditch. And he's like, man, you should have seen it, man. They should have seen it. And I'm just like, wow. me and my other friend who actually joined the Marines, but he's out now, he actually looked at me he's like, like whoa like that that's he's crazy so he just left he walked away like he was happy and that was the last time i actually saw him but now when he did the second one the cops all oh, the investigators got all the evidence went right back to him i mean this other guy was 16 years old too yeah, the yeah, first yeah. one was late 20s maybe early 30s this was well, he's 16 he told his parents where he was going to be at and then he left his bike at his house so it all goes right back to him where is he at oh he left he went you know he left somewhere why is his bike there you know, and then all the stuff went right back to him. So how, that's how he got locked up, arrested. And then we had another friend who ended up pointing fingers on saying that wasn't the only murder that he did. Like, he actually murdered this other guy, and Jonathan was involved. Mm. And that's how I come in. And the other Jonathan as well, because it's two Jonathans, so it's going to be confusing. But, yeah, so now I'm in the juvenile. I get arrested in uh, the high school, 11th grade. And I get arrested, and I get placed on juvenile detention center. And as now I find myself with a capital murder and aggravated robbery. So I remember the day that I was in uh, the cell, uh, the officer was like, uh, do you know why you're here? And he's like, no. He's like, if you, and it's exactly his words. If you kill the president, you'll get exactly what you get right now, like the charge that you have. And he just walks away. And I'm just like, I mean, it blows me up. I mean, it blows me away because, you know, you're 16. Why would you sell someone like that? Yeah. But now I think like that. But at the time, I was just like stunned. So now I'm in the juvenile detention center, and this is where I turned 17. Okay. And uh, did you have to get certified as an adult? So at 17, I ended up getting certified as an adult. But before I move on, uh, it was actually in eight months within the juvenile that I was broken. Uh, I felt like my life was over, and it should have been over, like as in like spend the rest of my life in prison. The first good news that I had at this time now is that you can't get a, the death penalty because you're a juvenile. Mm. I said, so that's a good news. That's yeah. like, so, whoa, whoa, so you did, they're still trying to give me life and all that. Like, yeah. I'm like, man, so now I'm trying to picture my brother from being at the time, you know, so young and like uh, becoming an old man and telling me, you know, my children, my, my grandchildren while I'm still in prison or hearing the phone and, hey, your mom just passed. And just trying to accept the fact that I will never, and just like I say in one of my videos that I said, like, that I will never feel the sand, uh, my, my feet on the sand, that I was always going to feel concrete, metal and concrete. And I had to learn how to accept that. Yeah. So in, and at 17 years old, now I'm trying to 
learn how to accept those kind of things. And it was tough. And uh, but I was broken one night specifically. And what made me change because I was still I still had those bad thoughts like uh, as soon as one of the officers pissed me, like well, would get me mad. Uh, he, uh, I, w- I would just be like in my mind. I'm like, man, if I get out, I'm just going to shoot him, you know, stuff like that, you know. Yeah. But when I was broken in my cell and I just I don't know where I felt like reading. I felt like reading a book and I don't know why. I mean, you go from being broken to re- trying to read something like why is that coming in my mind? So I look outside of my cell door and it just so happens that the, there's a bookcase, a portable bookcase. And out of all books, the, the only one book that stood out to me was actually the Bible. Mm. I never touched the Bible. I did not care about the Bible. I like, so that, keep in mind that I never even touched it. So when I asked the officer, can I please get that Bible? He opened the cell door, gave it to me. And I opened this Bible. And it goes straight to um, Proverbs 1, verse 10, which I would like to read. Yeah. And it says, uh, my child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. They may say, come and join us. Let's hide and kill someone. Just for fun, let's ambush the innocent. Let's swallow them alive like the grave. Let's swallow them whole like those who go down to the pit of death. Think of the great things we'll get. We'll fill our houses with all stuff we take. Come, throw your lot with us. We shall all share the loot. And then it says, my child, don't go along with them. Stay far away from their paths. They rush to commit evil, uh, evil deeds. They hurry to commit murder. For a bird sees a trap being set and knows to stay away. I said, but these people set an ambush for themselves. They are trying to to get uh, themselves killed. So it's like, how is it that I never even touched the Bible? And I open it up and it goes straight to that. Wow. I mean, people can sit here and say that's coincidence. People can say it's luck. But I, in that moment, I know it was God. So I started reading the Bible at that moment. And then day after day, I started reading more and more. I started reading about salvation. I started reading about not worshiping idols. So I had all these idols uh, set on my window, and I took them down. And then at that, and that same night when I started reading about Jesus, accepting Jesus in your, in your heart, I actually accepted it in my heart. So in that day, that was the replenishing. <coughs> that was the replenishing of my heart. That's when I really just started losing all those bad thoughts. Yeah, this, it, it is a process, as we all know. But at that moment, he actually cleaned me from... I want to kill you thoughts, automatic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those, uh, you know, seeing all the bad things and all that. So that was the beginning of my actual, so, like, nice. like my salvation. Yeah, the turnaround yes, in your heart. But now, uh, as you ask me about certification, I get certified and I, I get sent to this Harris County. Now in Harris County, I spent about two, three weeks and my parents... They put a lot of the money in, and they ended up paying, you know, the, what is it, 25 or 35% of $250,000 bond. And because my people actually, like, had just barely the money, they were actually able to bond me out. So now I'm out at home, and now my, I'm on I'm the monitor. But at the same time, now I'm actually showing my change with my family. Yeah, okay. How did life look different for you then? Um, life uh, as in, like, uh, being released? Yeah, well, I mean, just out on bond, you're not having to sit in this jail cell but you've you've turned your life around, given your heart to the Lord. So, uh, but not everybody on the outside knows what happened on the inside, you know. So, how did your life look different at that point with maybe the old people, places, and things? So the people that I used to talk to, um, I became even now intolerant over like you know, conversations that are irrelevant to any progression when it comes to positive com- com- progression. Um, I start like uh, watching out what I listen to. 
Um, you know, uh, uh, there could be the whole debate whether music has an effect on you, but I mean, you're constantly hearing about killings and all that. I'm sure it will. Yeah. And um, I just started like listening to a lot of that kind of stuff and movies. I started being more conscious. And my brother started seeing the way I also started changing the way I used to dress because I used to dress with baggy clothes and all that. Now, um, at the time, it was Hollister. So uh, for everybody, even my friends were like, what happened to you? Like, they <laughs> see me with Hollister now. They see me with a faux hawk. Yeah. And now I started changing. And they're like, well, man, what's going on? So I started getting into, like, uh, I got close to somebody that brought the church to the house. And they actually baptized me in the back oh, of my wow. own house because I was in house arrest. So yeah. they baptized me in the back of the house. So I'm just, but it's also a process because even now it's a challenge to build a relationship with my, like, especially my parents. So that was still kind of rough. And even now, but I'm saying like, it's, it's, it's getting there like a progression. Okay. Okay. So you end up in prison, man. What was the first, uh, what was the first unit you ended up on? Okay. So I get sentenced. Um, well, long story short, my parents were the only ones really that were able to afford an actual lawyer. And from the very beginning, so I was well, like I was, I was basically I had a good def, uh, defense or you know, comes to attorney, and that's why I was able. And I was a coach in my my dad's place, like my dad's a soccer field, and I was coaching kids, mentoring them. So my mom took a picture of me, and she showed it to the judge, and she was supposed to give me a twenty five year aggravated sentence, but she gave me a fifteen because of that. Wow. Yeah. So she's like, you know what? This affected your sentence, and at the same time. I had the actual legal representation that I needed. And and the way it looks, it's just like people may say whatever they want to say, but it's like if you have the help, like the right lawyer, you're going to get help. The rest, like my co-defendants, especially the younger one, he only had a, uh, you know, uh, what is it called? A court, court, court appointment. And he ended up getting the 25-year sentence. Oh, wow. So but I do hope what that. What do you think about that in our system? I mean, a lot of people think it's, uh, there's racial disparities in sentencing, but I don't think as much as, and there may be, there may be some racial disparity in the sentencing, but I think it's more about finance, uh, economic. Yeah. About your economic, socioeconomic status. And if you have enough money to pay the right lawyers, um, to make the right deals, mm -hmm. then you're going to get, you're going to get the better, the better end of the stick. And so I, I don't know how we stop that. I don't know how you, you can't, you, you can't, I don't know. I think we just got to ask ourselves how our communities are, first off. Like, what, what are these sheriffs doing in the, in the first place? Are they constantly harassing this certain community? Because if you put yourself in a black man's uh, you know, body and you go walking in the same neighborhood you walk in every day, will a cop harass you all of a sudden? Will he ask you, do you have a weapon? Um, or, or, you know, somebody like me, you know, I don't know. I mean, but it kind of looks like that sometimes, and it may be. But at the same time, it's like, I think we need to start asking ourselves, uh, you know, do, do, these sheriffs have too much power. But at the same time, I don't want to speak against them because I also believe that there has to be something. Yeah. But um, I just I just think that it starts in the household. Like, yeah. we need to start asking ourselves, what can I do with my own children, with my own house? At the same time, it's it's, it's complicated to answer. So 15-year uh, ag, 15-year yeah. ag is what you got? So I ended up getting two 15-year sentences that run concurrent. Concurrent. So okay. I ended up going hitting uh, Garza East in the first, uh, no Garza West, and now I'm butt naked in a line of other men, and it's like cold weather. It's <laughs> raining, so you're logically thinking, was this right? Like, why are they doing this? Like, should, shouldn't they know it's raining and it's cold? Why do they have us naked out here? And this is the the whole speech they gave us about 
we're your mother now. We're you know we're your family now. This is your property, the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, and that was a reality check. Yeah. So at the same time, it's whenever they cut your hair all all the way, and now yep. you're all like, I had a full hawk, and now I have like like bald, and they just like, I, now you're going through the whole process of getting ID'd. But wait a minute, you had a full hawk going into prison. Yeah. All right, and they uh and they cut that off. Yeah. What what what, what did you what was going through your mind when they cut it off? It's just. Uh, the same, the same. I think that's the same intention that they want to want you to feel humiliated, um, make you feel like you're stripped away from everything that you had while you're out here. Now you're their property, so you're you have nothing to call yourself as your own. You're not even your hair. So that in itself, I feel like psychologically has a lot of effect on a lot of people. Yeah, like it's it's uh, humiliating, downgrading, and it's like labeling and branding you. You know, when it comes to putting, giving you an ID that. Oh, your number is one seven six zero three one five, which is my ID number. Yeah, like that's what is it? One seventy six zero three one five. Gotcha. So it's like now that's your brand. That's the thing that you put you. You're you're now you're our cattle, and this is where we're gonna put you at. You're gonna be in a waiting room. You, you it doesn't matter if it's comfortable, if it's cold, and you you're gonna learn how to sleep on concrete. You're gonna learn how to lay down anywhere or stand up for hours. Uh, you know, just to get to one unit to the yeah. other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, as for um actual prison that when my my first uh, unit was actually robertson unit okay in abilene texas and uh not a fun unit no no it's not and it's like uh it was just a reality when i see myself getting through two gates and there's like they're talking about you know you're you're in the maximum security now and my logic is like because before that i was in uh college so i thought they were going to send me they closed it down which was san Saba unit they made it to a woman's prison at that time and they send us all to different units. So I'm thinking, okay, they're going to send me to college because they're going to see me. Because I had high grades on my GD, actually. So they sent me to college. So now I'm thinking, okay, they're going to send me to a better unit. And out of all units, they send me to Robertson. that has no education, like mm. no college. Wow. So now I'm like, what the heck? Like, well, for real? But in the, in the midst of me going through um, Robertson, I actually met really close friends. Uh, I, I saw a lot of um, people that had actual, like a lot of time, like, I was the one with a lot of time when it comes to guards of West, guards of East, San Saba. Oh my God, you got 15. Oh my God, I'm gonna be this old whenever you get out. I'm gonna be, you know. But then you hit a bigger unit like Robertson, and some guy asks you like, uh, "Also, oh, how long? Much, how, how how much do you have?" And he's like, "I told him like oh, I got a lot. Of, I really want to talk about it." And I was like, "How much do you have?" He said, "Well, I got a 99 aggravator." And I'm just like, and I looked at the next guy and like, "How much do you have?" He said, "I got a 60 aggravator." And I, I'm just like, look, I'm not going to tell you how much I got. <laughs> like, uh, I'm just out of respect. Yeah. And they're like, okay. But I was like, whoa, that's, that's, and then you start meeting more and more, more and more, tons of, of time. And some guys have been locked up for over 30 years, longer than you have ever lived. It's yeah. like, whoa, like some guys I saw mentally breaking down to where they started talking to themselves for so long that they had been locked up. And it was sad. And then these guys were from juveniles. So now they're at late 40s. So I'm just like, I'm seeing these things. This Robertson is what exposed me to a lot of that. And a lot of experiences of people, the crimes, uh, some of the worst, sickest crimes that I heard, and and some of the ones that were were out of injustice. And it's just like, whoa. But it was also in Robertson where I took, like, Quest for Thin Man, Bridges to Life, Voyager. I started going to a library every time. So my main thing that I would like to point out to people every time when I talk about my experience in prison is that, first off, I did not join no gang. So I was told that I'm Hispanic, I'm from Houston, that you would join a gang, you have 15 years uh, sentence, 
you would join a gang. I'm like, no, I'm not. It's like, and you're going to be filled with tattoos. I've said, no, I'm not. So out of the whole sentence, I made sure that not only did I not do that, which I don't have any, and did not join anybody out of all 11 and a half years, uh, is my education. Yeah. I woke up at four in the morning every every Wednesday and go to the library faithfully. So good. I would go to the uh, business section. I would go to the psychology, I mean, uh, psychology section. Uh, and I would start learning all these different reading, expanding, self-help, and then reading my Bible, joining the church, you know, going, going and listening to the sermons and, the, you know, all the things that people were speaking in there and, and hanging out with the right people, even in there. And it was education. Yeah. And that's why, where that's where a rehabilitation happened. That's where Jonathan's really learning the things that he was supposed to learn from his dad, from his parents. He is learning these things through the Bible, through yeah. library, through education. And then I, on top of that, I was in the kitchen at that moment. But I told myself, what am I learning in here? I mean, I'm not going to be a chef when I get out. And plus, I don't, I'm not even a cook. So I started pushing to, as a matter of fact, I want to, you know, a quick shout out to Bernard because he actually got me in maintenance. He's the one that got me as an electrician in maintenance, even though. Bernard at what unit? Uh, Robertson unit. Robertson, all right. What's Donald, up? What's up, Bernard? Donald Bernard. All right. <laughs> But uh, I told him, like, hey, you keep hiring these guys that get out of vocation, but they go constantly smoking K2 or they're gang members. Like, and then you see them. They don't last in the job. He's like, no, nah, man. I mean, they're good at what they do, but they don't last. I said, look, I don't know anything about anything. I said, I can't even hold a drill. I said, but I have the will to do it. I said, I don't smoke. I'm not in a gang. I said, you've seen the way I carry myself. Yeah, give a good word for me. He's like, all right, well. Next thing you know, like two days later, I got to lay in maintenance, electrician. I'm like, whoa, and that was amazing. And that was also the beginning of me learning all these different work ethics because now yeah. I have a lot. Yeah. Where I can, because of maintenance, maintenance uh, because of Bernard, because of maintenance, every other unit that I hit, I was automatically uh, electrician, automatically maintenance. Gotcha. Instead of waking up at three, third shift kitchen and getting dragged to the floor <laughs> and then, you're, hey, you got to work here. No, I was... I was I was I uh, had it really smooth, so that's why I have it from my heart. I have to give it that shout out. But yeah, amen. So so at one point you were at the ha the Hamilton unit. Mm -hmm. uh, talk about your time there. Okay, at so the at the Hamilton unit. Um, okay, well this is actually um, before Ferguson. And on down the uh, it's because Ferguson comes next, and which is one of the when I went to Ferguson, now I saw the reality of prison like not that you didn't learn that in robertson but this is segregated through racism through through uh, gangs it is just nasty horrible dirty and that from it was a culture shock from going to robertson to ferguson so now i'm seeing even more pressure i'm being put through more now before i hit actually hamilton so now that i hit hamilton i am in a mindset like way different from robertson like it's like kind of darker because it does like have some kind of influence. You see a lot of things that yeah. the officers do and it's like, it was horrible. So I got sent to Hamilton because I still wondering why. So uh, how, how long were you at Ferguson? I was at like for a year and a half and until then, I signed up for uh, the, I actually signed up for the caravans unit. Okay. So they actually got accepted and they moved me from Ferguson to caravans, which was amazing. Cause yeah, for, for, at first it was horrible right and it was always like something had going on so now that I hit caravans 
I hit it when COVID hit. So I never really got the good taste of how it is over there because I heard so much about it. Were you just being assigned there or were you going to be in that uh, uh, they, the, prison fellowship academy? Yes. Yep. So I was supposed to be waiting for that, but out of nowhere, like within eight months of being in there, they said, hey, you're on chain. I'm like, I'm supposed to be on this program. They're like, well, it says the FI6 program. So now I'm like, oh, crap. So I start giving all my cop pod, my, my fan away, all that, you know, everything that everybody does. Oh, yeah. So I get sent to Hamilton, and it just so happens that we are the first group of Texas prisoners to go through Hamilton, a FI6 program, with no parole. So now I just realized I just threw away my good hot pot. I threw away all my red, my radio. I threw away shorts, shorts that were good, because are, we already know, like, the, the big old shorts that we have, the nice shirts that are thin for the yeah. heat, uh, thermals. I gave all that out. Now I have nothing, even my art materials, mm. and that that hurt. So now I'm I'm pissed. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm mad, and it's like now I get in this mode where you didn't give me parole, and all these counselors are trying to get you to wake up and feed on the floor, be about, be part of the program, or we're gonna write you up. And I was that guy that literally should have gotten about over 25 write-ups. Wow. Because I was refusing. I was just going off at them. I said, I don't got no parole. Write me up. I'll get in their face and say, I don't care. And then I'll mock them. And they will, like it was, and then I started putting a lot of pressure on my brother because at this point, this is where he was building up on the petitions. And this is where we were with Scott, where we were trying to get me out of prison. And it's like, there was so much pressure. Like I was putting on him, but yeah, my brother's trying to go to school as well for mechanical engineering. So he's trying to juggle both balls. And now I'm pressuring him, pressuring like myself. And this is where I started compromising myself. So now, they finally, did, I did 11 months on a six-month program that didn't send me home. But in, actually, in Hamilton is where uh, my darkest moments are. It's where also where I met Chaz Roberts. Which, Chaz Roberts. Come on, Chaz. Shout out to Chaz. Oh, Chaz, Chaz. <laughs> so Chaz was in the program there uh, learning how to be a life coach at that yes. time, correct? And we were mixed up with the ones that we didn't have parole. So they actually kind of sucked for them, too, because they were experienced. A lot of us who were, like, just not trying to hear it. But Chaz would uh, specifically pull me out and we'll go to the multi-purpose room because he had that you know, ability and we would commune. We would talk. He would give me his story about his mom passing away in cancer and uh, all the other things that he was going through and how upbeat he is and his character was always like just saw just ecstatic and energetic and it's like dang dude like how can you be like that? Like, So it was a great example to me. So I liked it. I loved being around him and we spent so much time together when I was over there in Hamilton until they caught chain and they, they sent them straight to wherever they need to be, which is in Kyle, you know? Oh yeah. So that's where he landed in Kyle and me, I still stayed back and that's where they sent me to after that Bradshaw unit. So Bradshaw unit, it's actually way tougher than Robertson. Surprisingly. <laughs> and it's, and it's a, it's a program unit too. Yeah. It's a Wait, private facility. The East Texas treatment facility that, that where you went. Yeah. It's a private facility and it's actually rougher than Robertson. Like this is where the things start getting even rougher for me. This is where the actual tons of everything just, you know what I mean? Like just, uh, when people will say that it's wide open, they don't know what I'm talking about. It was wide open. Yep. So, that's 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 where I actually experienced my first, you know, just taking care of like myself when it comes to having a, a handle issues that I shouldn't have. Like it's just it's crazy, but um, this is where I actually got the tablets and I finally get a, get the rumors about tablets are finally here. They're actually in my hand. 
now I'm in 11 year sentence. Now I have 11 years. And I remember telling my brother, like, you know what? I'm going home this year. He's like, why? He's like, every spot that I've been at, they lose a privilege. Like, they would have had it good. And as soon as I get there, they take away all the privileges. Mm, and yeah. every unit that I've been at, oh, they used to call rec all the time. But now, like, for some reason, it stopped. And I feel like it was purposely done like that so I won't have not only a good time in prison, but also go through the molding process of the difficulties, yeah. not having movies all the time, not being able to do this, not being able to do that, all those things. But now that I have a tablet in my hand, I told my brother, I'm going home now. I said, why? It's because time's getting easier. I said, I don't think my time was ever supposed to be easy. And sure enough, in that year, my fourth time seeing parole, I finally get accepted. So now it's like, yeah. Did, what, what did you get? What, what was your answer? I got an FI1. Okay. After getting denied three different times, which the first one was a two-year sentence. I mean, you set off. That was pretty rough. And, and you already did the FI6. Yeah. So there really wasn't much other parole they could give you. Mm -mm. So now now uh, FI1, and now I'm getting ready, and I'm listening to your podcast. As a matter of fact, this is where I started listening to your podcast, uh, and I started realizing like how much encouragement I was getting from it. And this is where I turned 30 in prison. And my hardest birthday, because I realized like this is my last twentieth. Hmm. I, I I thought that I was gonna make my other parole where I was gonna be at least turning thirty out here and yeah. spend some of my twenties out here, and it was just terrible. So I started listening to your podcast, listening to the different stories, testimonies, and it was just you know, you know pushing me up, you know, encouraging yeah. me. Some good, some good stories on there. Yes, now you're on here. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Now, now other people get to get uh, encouraged by your story. Yes, sir. So, what, what was uh, one of the most impactful books you read while you were in prison? Most of the impactful. It books could be that a I spiritual read, book, uh, financial book, whatever. Man's Search for Meaning. Man's Search for Meaning. No, right. no. Victor, uh, I always say his last name pretty wrong because you know I'm Hispanic, so sorry y'all. But it's uh, Victor Frankel or Frankel, Frankel. But um, Frank he Frankel. He says. Um, he who has a why uh, can bear almost any how. Yeah. So when I read that, he said, he who has any why could bear almost any how. So why do you live for? Why are you pushing forward? Why do you wake up every morning and when even though the officer is harassing you or, you know, turning the light on and, and doesn't turn your light off in the cell and you're waking up or it's hot or it's cold, why are you getting through? Right. Because once you learn your why, especially if it's, it's also revolved around a spiritual thing like God, then you will bear almost any how. So that is what pushed me through. So good. And another one, and I can't really name it uh, as, as he said it or phrase it as he said it, but Martin Luther King said, uh, um, a man is not, uh, you can't see really, I'm a paraphrase, but he said, you can't really see a man's color, true colors until you know he's put through trials and tribulations, basically. Yeah, that's good. So that's, that's another true. one that I will open my notebook and I read it. I wish I could just word it out right now. But it was just amazing, like, how... And then I started reading a lot of different um, biographies. Uh, Einstein's, Da Vinci. I started reading um, Steve Jobs. And I started seeing a lot of things that I could implement in my own life to get not only get through, but also achieve success. Yeah. Also start putting these equations just the way they did and maybe have an increased chances of getting there once I'm out. So Where, good. But one of the main things... Well, sorry. I mean, I don't know if you're going to ask because you're going to ask you're me fine. to. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because you said that if there's something that I would like to tell people in there. And I, for, I mean, I didn't mean to. Yeah, no, we're getting close to the wrapping up anyway. So, man, you know, whatever you whatever you want to say to uh, 
anybody out here, you know, that's been in prison, that's out here now living, or especially the ones behind bars, you know, right now all over the nation, you know, what, what, what is something, piece of advice you could give them? What's some encouragement you can give them? And uh, you could just speak directly into that camera there. Okay. Well, I would like to tell, uh, there was many times that I was laughed at because I was uh, always reading books. I was always educating myself. They would tell me, like, oh, it's, uh, the challenge is not real until you get out. Just wait till you get out. Basically putting in, in faith, like, that failure is going to come or that, that what you're doing is useless while those same people are spending 24 hours a day watching TV. Those same people are putting themselves in a time, time machine where they're freezing themselves and then fast-forwarding time, waiting for them to see parole, and now they want to make changes. Now they want to educate themselves. Now they want to work out. I said, but actually, rehabilitation starts in the beginning of our sentence. As soon as you step down, no matter how much time you got, you're supposed to educate yourself and grow or progress. Because just like a swamp, a swamp is still and it gets, gets dirty and mucky. Or you want to be a river. You want to constantly move, constantly be clean, constantly, you know, progressing in life. So I encourage those that are doing those things that, man, you can make changes in your own life now. And... So when you get out, things are going to start coming. Like even the challenges that I do face, I'm able to face them and, and, and overcome them because of the mindset I have now. And it didn't come from watching movies all day, every day. It didn't come from being the best domino player. I, I suck at it. I suck at dominoes. But I know, but I'm really successful when it comes to knowing who I am, who, uh, how to take care of my own life. Or, and, you know, and I encourage you to do the same thing. As for those who are encouraged and one day maybe do something with themselves, if you could find me, I would like to talk to you. And maybe you could be the best of whatever you do. I would love to have dinner with you. And then you could tell me how you achieve your li in your life. I would love to hear from you. At this, oh, and one last point. Sorry. Uh, and, and, and give that, give it back to the community. Give it back, especially like to your brothers and sisters or family. My, I gave it to my brother. And over year after year, he finally showed up with a NASA badge. And now he's a, he works in NASA. So it's like. How did that happen? Because, you know, all the things that you could give your family, your community, yourself. So just stay up. And they don't have to wait till they get out to start doing that. They could start that inside. Of because I, what I've learned for myself and even from everybody that gets out is that the way you live life on the inside of prison is kind of a reflection of how you're going to live it when you get out. Mm -hmm. So if you're in there studying, educate yourself, doing things like that, mm -hmm. that's just going to continue to grow out here. Yeah. But then if you're just day room only and, and nothing else, man, then you're going to get out here and you're just going to look to the first, you know, dead end warehouse job you can find and then just come home every day and do nothing yeah. and just watch TV. Especially with the tablets. You don't yeah. you don't have to have that special bench. It's a good. It down. Yeah. It, you know, the tablet's a good tool, you know, but the and the phone is a good tool. But it could also be when, a distraction. Yeah. When you start using a good tool for the wrong reason, mm -hmm. you know, um, a hammer is not a very good screwdriver. Mm -hmm. But if I try to unscrew a screw or screw something in with a hammer, I, I'm not going to do very good because it's the wrong tool. And so a phone is a great tool, but it can also be the wrong tool, you know. And um, But, man, that's some good stuff, man. I appreciate, I appreciate you, and I appreciate you coming today, sharing your story. Uh, how can people, you know, you said – when they get out, look you up. You know how can they how can they look you up when they get out? Just TikTok or do you have the, other ways? The, the TikToks are you know Instagrams all free J Rod, free, uh, free J alone Rod R O D, and you can find me on TikTok, uh, Instagram. Uh, now we're building up on the Facebook, and you can also find us at uh, www.freejrod.com, 
And we're all about rehabilitation. We're all about trying to reach out to the communities, the youth, and just trying to make changes so there won't be any more, well, way less people going to yeah. prison. Yeah, that's good, man. That's good. All right. Well, J-Rod, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. And thank you for uh, sharing what your plans are and what you sure. want to do. I mean, man, we're we're lacking. We're lacking uh, desperately in, in the area of those kind of movies and those kind of productions, documentaries, docu-series, all that stuff. We're lacking, uh, especially ones that are telling you know the good the good side the, the the exposing things that are wrong exposing flaws in our system and uh so i'm excited for you man yes, sir. and Thank i'm you. i'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray that god just gives you everything that you need yes, for this next chapter in your life uh, i'm going to pray that he allows you just to open your mind while you're in class mm -hmm. but also begin to deposit more and more ideas in your heart and in your head uh that allows you just to be the the, the quickest breakout Movie maker of all time. God all right. And, all uh, right. Quick shout out. Yeah. Okay. Well, Go for it. <laughs> uh, just shout out to uh, Sammy, Samuel, Anthony Cincinnatos. Uh, he's at Robertson. Uh, just stay up, bro. Uh, you know, just stay in touch. And just like I said, you get out uh, years later. Hey, you know, I got you. And just I uh, want to thank those who were at Robertson who had influence. And uh, even Ferguson. Just... Man, you know, a lot of y'all, and uh, oh, specifically, I wish that I could speak to the, the the guy that was actually affiliated with the Cribs that actually was the main reason also that I did not join, uh, you know, a certain gang, yeah. which I think that y'all could figure that one out. And yeah, out of all people, it was your ex, like, it wasn't even my race that encouraged me not to join. And when that when that one point that I was getting to, well, I was going to compromise, but he was the one that opened my eyes and said, nah, man, don't join us. I mean, don't join them. Like, it's just going to add more problems. And I was like, you know what? You're right. So I just want to thank those who step out of their own race and still give advice to opposite races. And, you know, just I encourage y'all. So thank y'all. God bless. That's awesome, man. That's all. I love that. Those are true human beings that do that. Yes, sir. They, they care enough to even speak into somebody else that they don't see color. They don't see mm -hmm. color of skin. So... All right, man. Well, I appreciate you. Anything else you want to share with us before we go? Mm, let me see. <laughs> I think we covered it all, huh? Yeah, I just hope that uh, the next time that we ever interview me, that uh, I got my Giants with me too, and we could, you know, yeah. also yeah, do so something for a background check. There's also going to, there's going to be a round two, man, because every guest that comes on, you know, a year later, something new, something big has happened in their lives. And uh, I believe that for you too. Yes, sir. So, so yeah, even the one that's coming at two there, they're, he's been on three times, but now he's married and, and, and they, and they work together in business. So now given a life update, so we'll have you back on for sure yes, sir. to get, to get the update on all what God's doing in your life. Thank you. All right, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.